Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. As we enter back into our study of Ephesians, we're now in chapter five, this series that we're calling Into the Mystery. And I've got a mystery for you uh, for what God has for us today. But there's two words right out of the gate that grip me. One is found in Ephesians 5.1, where we read, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. The literal here is not follow God's example, but mimic God. Are you kidding me? Mimic some hero, that's difficult enough, but to actually mimic God. But think of it, that's been God's intent from all the way back to the garden. When he made Adam and Eve in his image to look like God. And now he's asking us to come full circle and to look like God. So where is he taking us with this? And that's for you to be wondering. But also think about about the fact that he calls us dearly loved children. And this is native to who we are as humans. Oftentimes someone will say to you, you have your father's eyes, you look like your mom. Well, he calls us purposefully dearly loved children, referring to this very idea that we are now called to mimic God. The second word I want to draw your attention to is the phrase that's found in verse two, where he says, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant aroma and sacrifice for God. So as Mark Freestad so wonderfully taught over the last two weeks, this idea of walking literally is the Greek word peritame, which means to walk around. And it's referring to our lifestyle. So if you were to paint the bottom of the soles of your feet, Uh, and we found out where you actually went and what you actually did. That's what the Bible has in mind. And Paul is saying, in your lifestyle, walk, here it is, the way of love. So that's what it means to mimic God, this way of love, this lifestyle of love. And that's where chapter five of Ephesians takes us. So when you think of mimicking God in this way of love, he's going to break it down in three ways for us. One is a defense. What we need to stop doing, what we normally call sin, key sins that are ruining our lives. He's saying you need to outright stop doing that. The second thing that we'll study next week is the offense being filled with the spirit and how God is the, the, the power source for this new life of the way of love and mimicking God. And then the third area is at the end of five going into six, how we now learn to live the life of serving, submitting, honoring other and, and people that we have relationship with in, in our work space, in our families, in our marriages. So all of these are things that are a part of this mimicking God. Now, if you take a football, and by the way, I'm thrilled that we're watching football in the midst of this COVID season. But if you take a football team and you say, okay, we have an incredible defense. Well, the role of the defense is just to get the offense back on the field. 
the goal is to have the offense on the field the whole time because that's when you score points. The defense is just to stop the other offense. And so this part that we're studying today is the defense. It's to stop us from wasting energy doing things we shouldn't be doing so that we can actually do things that we want to be doing and should be doing. So let's look at verse three together where Paul earnestly gives us this imperative, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So these are things that he's wanting us to just outright stop. The first is sexual immorality. And this is a broad term that covers everything from pornography to fornication, adultery, everything in between. He's just saying, stop it. And he says there shouldn't even be the hint. And that's literally, you shouldn't even have to name it. It's just not being done anymore. You can think of the villages and the towns that the church was starting up in and, and everybody kind of knew each other's personal lives and behaviors. And if someone who's proclaiming to follow Jesus is actually living duplicitously in, in this other realm of sexual immorality, the witness is completely gone. But he goes on from there to say impurity, uh, which would as I said, include all kinds of sexual things that maybe aren't necessarily with another person. And finally, he goes to the subject of greed, which seems like it's completely separate from sexual sin. But think of it. Greed is actually the idea of looking over the fence and saying the grass is greener on the other side. Greed is not just financial. Greed can be sexual. I'm greedy when it comes uh, to time and events. I don't want to miss anything. I'm often putting too much onto my calendar. And people ask me, why do you do that? And I say, I'm greedy. I just want to do everything. So greed can penetrate different areas. And Paul says, don't do that. When it comes to the sexual realm and the greed realm, God wants you to mimic God and not be the way you used to be. If you said, well, what's the opposite of sexual immorality? The opposite is faithfulness, faithfulness to God, to yourself and to your mate. Then the opposite of being greedy would be be generous. Give yourself away rather than hoarding. Don't be Gollum, mine, my precious. Thirdly, He addresses language. He says, uh, don't use obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting or joking, which are out of place. And rather, the opposite of doing that is be thankful. Begin to substitute uh, the bad for the good, which would be becoming thankful people. And why is this? Well, the circle around the why is that we are now God's holy people, saints. We're not common people anymore. We're saints. Try it out. St. Mark, St. Sally, 
That's who you are now in Jesus and become who God has called you to be. You have a new address. You're a new you. I remember when I was transferring from junior high to high school, I had the thought, I'm going to start meeting people that I've never met before. And is there any part of my identity that I want to drop off and I want to add? And I did the same thing when I went from high school to college. I noticed some of my friends changed their nickname. They, they had been stuck with a nickname since they were young and they wanted us to now call them by a different name. You have changed addresses. You're in the kingdom of God. You have a new father that you're mimicking and now it's time to stop doing those things. But he gives us another reason to stop and this is pretty scary. It's the word Judgment. It's not a popular word today. We, we think that there should be no judgment in our society. But the truth is, cause and effect exists all over the planet, and it exists spiritually. Truth or consequences. And he warns us, if we don't change, if we don't decide that we're not just forgiven, but we're actually following Jesus, he's our Lord, there are consequences. He says, for of this you can be sure, no impure, immoral, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater. That is, we're worshiping something else besides God, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That is, don't let anyone tell you the opposite. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. So this is a stern warning. It's not only an invitation to just mimic God and look like your father, but if you don't, you're looking like something else. You're, you're worshiping something else. And the end consequence of that is to be judged with everyone else who is going to be judged. Paul is letting us know the seriousness of it, that just as there, are, there is fruit in our life, if we follow Christ and we're filled with the Spirit, there's also fruit for people that are disobedient to God. And God hasn't just forgiven you. He is changing you. Remember the parable that Jesus told us about the wedding feast and the guy that was thrown out because he didn't have wedding clothes on. That's the point of this, that God gives us a new set of clothes. And we can't come into heaven as imposters looking like hell, literally, that we come into heaven because heaven is making us look like heaven in our character. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we're patient, we're learning, we're growing, but nevertheless, God is working in our lives. And part of the work happens through the command of God's word. But God's wrath is coming on the earth against those that have a different behavior, that live just like this. Remember those stern words of Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, where he says to people who have no fruit, he says, I never knew you. There was no relationship. 
There was no transference of life. There was no transformation. I never knew you. Depart from me. Think of it this way. If I knew that a missile was headed towards me and it was seeking, it was a, it was a missile seeking heat or metal. And I had the time, I can guarantee you, I would drop all metal off of me and I would put myself in a bathtub full of ice to make sure I was not hot and I had no metal. God's wrath is a heat-seeking missile against the works of darkness. And this is God's invitation for you and me to shed it and become the new people that we are. And that's where we find ourselves in verse eight. He tells us and reminds us, for you were once darkness, that's the old you, but now you are light in the Lord. You're light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of stuff that's different than the words he just mentioned. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. If you're going to mimic him, well, what does please him? And have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Secret and dark are parallel. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I love the ending here in verse 14. Wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is believed by many scholars to be a snippet of a baptismal hymn that was sung by the early church. As a person is being baptized, the rest of the people are standing on the shore singing. And as they come up out of the water, these words are heard by the person being baptized. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. you as you come up out of baptism, you're representative of a new person. You went into the water. In the water, it's representative of your death, your burial, the old you. You died with Christ. And as you come up out of the water, you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. So here it is. We were the people of the night, hiding, secretive, dark, but now we're the people of the day. I have a couple of blue jays or actual bluebirds that hang out in my backyard. I've, I've had a family of bluebirds born into our yard for probably 27 years now. And um, I've become kind of attached to these two guys because uh, I saw them when they were really young and um, I feed them a couple times a week not to make them dependent on me, but just to let them know that I kind of like them and I like seeing them come around. But I also have other things that come into my yard, things in the night, not just bats, which are completely 
flying animals, rodents at night, but uh, skunks and raccoons and, uh, and other critters, rats even. And I prefer the bluebirds of the day. They're delightful, their song's delightful, but these others, kind of weird, kind of dark. And that's a picture of you and me. We used to be kind of weird, dark. There were parts that we didn't want people to know about in our lives. And now we're a new person in Christ. So with that new person, live that way. Paul says, you're a child of light. The secret stuff is gone. Stop clinging to the old you. And Christ wants to shine on you. There was a song that came out of the 70s. His name, the composer was Keith Green. And the lyric, the chorus went something like this, like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. That's what God's love has done for you and I. It was like we were asleep. We weren't even fully human. And now we're alive. So here, folks, is the opportunity that God has given us to become completely different. Now, I want to remind some of you of of an old fairy tale that I shared years and years ago uh, from the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. Because the words actually, I think, depict this change that's happening in you and me. It's the, in the context of you and I becoming real, becoming authentic. As you know, in our culture, everybody wants to be real. Everyone wants to become themselves, but some are doing it in a selfish way where they'll say, hey, that's just who I am. I just got to be me. But others of us are exploring what we need to shed that is selfish, that's wrong, and how can I become a better person? So listen to these words of the Velveteen Rabbit. The Velveteen Rabbit is in this kid's nursery, and he's having a discussion with this stuffed horse called the Skin Horse. And he's called the Skin Horse because all of his fur is rubbed off. He's a pathetic-looking stuffed animal because the boy has really loved this stuffed animal for a long time. And so the the velveteen rabbit is interviewing this old, tired, stuffed animal. And the rabbit asks the stuffed horse, the skin horse, what is real? They were lying there next to each other in the nursery before Nana came to tidy up the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and stick out handles? Think of the obsession of our society of looking cool, looking beautiful, looking smart, having all the right clothes. That's what he's asking. Do I need all these wind-up things and things that light up and battery-operated things? And the skin horse answers, and he says, real isn't how you're made. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just play with you, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Said this rabbit. 
Sometimes, said the skinned horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once? Like being wound up? Or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. Listen, you become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop off and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. Folks, it's time to become real. Become the real you, the authentic you. And allow God in his love that happened the day you met Jesus, penetrate your life. Mimicking God the Father is opening your heart up to his holy love, his transforming love, shedding these dark things and saying, yes, Lord, I want to love like you have loved me. What a rich time we've had today. Uh, my invitation to you today is to shed the old man. What specific sinful behavior is God speaking to you about? We've talked about sexual things. We've talked about our mind and greed. We've talked about verbal things that come out of our mouth. You may be thinking of something else in your own life. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it's time to shed it. But what are we shedding these things for? We're shedding them not to just try to be good, it's to mimic God. It's, it's to return to the image of God, the person that we really are. It's to become real. Next week as we gather, we're going to take the offense onto the field and we're going to talk about what it means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope you'll join us this coming week. Let me give us a parting blessing as we go. God, we pray that you would come to each one of us in our homes right now and bless us and may God bless you with all the fullness of his Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit come to you and convince you that you have a new identity, a new address, a new place to park yourself and may you begin to find that new person is being more common than the old person. May God give you the courage to say no to sin and to, to, to say yes to the love of God. And then may God give you the courage to love others and to serve others the way God has served us. God has loved you at the cross with his everlasting love. And may that love be the motivator for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.